Contracting Officer Podcast. I know it's called the Contracting Officer Podcast, but it's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Whether you work for government or industry, we're here to help you understand how the other side thinks. Today's topic is FAR Part 12, which allows the government to buy commercial items using commercial procedures, or at least the government's version of commercial procedures. Our sponsor for this episode is Skyway Acquisitions. Skyway helps you know more, win more, and do more in the government market. To learn more, visit SkywayACQ.com. Okay, let's get started. Back in the glory days of acquisition reform and streamlining, FAR Part 12 came out, and this was when we were both brand new interns looking to capitalize on the new stuff and new ways of doing things. So FAR Part 12 comes out in the mid-90s. Did it come out, or was it? did it replace the previous FAR Part 12? I don't don't actually know the difference. I think I sound old when you say that, man. Yeah, we are old. FAR Part 12 was suddenly available, right? And FAR Part 12 is how a contracting officer could now use commercial-ish procedures to buy commercial items. Well, I think it's one of the, it was a, a part of the FAR that was reserved. Like if you look through the FAR, there are sections that are reserved and which is like a placeholder. Yeah. <laughs> I think they filled it in with FAR Part 12. I don't remember 12 being reserved. It was bright it was there when we got fancy there. and shiny and new when we got there. That's right. Didn't have any rust on it yet. All right. Before we get going, iTunes, we have a bunch of great new reviews on iTunes. So we should thank White Knuckles and Joe Shoe 2326 for recent reviews. I, th- I think it's really cool because they both kind of call out that we're trying to keep this down at ground level. So what we're talking about today is FAR Part 12. The definition for commercial item is actually in FAR Part 2, like all those definitions, FAR 2101. And the Cliff Notes version of commercial item in FAR 2.101 says... Commercial item means anything other than real property of a type customarily used by the general public, blah, 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 that has been sold, leased, or licensed to the general public. And here's where it gets tricky. Or has been offered for sale, lease, or license to the general public or evolved from a commercial item, which means it doesn't have to be strictly that commercial item. The third one is has or can be modified from the commercial item with minor modifications, and it doesn't actually define what minor is. That leaves yeah, that which, to judgment. Yeah, leave that wide open for us to, to make it up. But it also includes services. If they're procured for the support of a commercial item, you know, as we just defined with minor modifications possibly, regardless of whether the services are actually provided by that same source or at the same time as the item. And the point here is that they have to be in substantial quantities for the services. That's kind of the, the big takeaway for me. Is this is a service that only one person in the world buys it's not really commercial. But if it's something, even and I say that because if it's something the government hasn't bought yet, but lots of other people do, that's a commercial service. Yeah. That's the point. And my personal favorite term in here is a non-developmental item, which you know basically goes back to the substantial quality, substantial quantities, competitive basis, etc. But that term non-developmental, I think it's one of those words that the government kind of made up. <laughs> it's just a fancy way of saying, yeah, you, you don't have to make it. Go get it. Just go buy it. So FAR Part 12, like we discussed, was inserted into the Federal Acquisition Regulations to give you the policies and procedures to, that are unique to acquiring commercial items. And there was a lot of push in the mid-90s, streamline, reform, faster, better, cheaper, all these things, right? FAR Part 12 comes out, and 
the intent was to establish acquisition policies that more closely resemble the commercial marketplace's acquisition policies and thereby encourage the acquisition of commercial items and encourage vendors that may not want to sell to the government to sell to the government because now they don't have to deal with all that government stuff. And I'd say it's arguable how much FAR Part 12 actually resembles commercial <laughs> acquisition outside of the government world. It is different than it's closer. It's it? yeah, closer, but still there's, it's, it's, there's still a lot involved. We're still talking federal government acquisition here, right? Yeah. It's kind of like saying that, you know, Chicago is, is closer to New York than, you know, LA. It's closer. It's not <laughs> it's there. Not, not yeah. close. FAR Part 12 has lots of subsections. We're just going to stick at the very top level here, we hope, and talk about the general rules that FAR Part 12 implements. So the policy at 12.101 says the government has to conduct market research to determine whether commercial or non-developmental items are available that could meet their requirements. And if they find that they're available, the government has to acquire commercial items or non-developmental items. So no, you can't spend R&D money developing a new blender. They already exist just by the blenders that are out there. And, and people's – I'll say this nicely. People's interest in avoiding this created in some agencies, the ones I worked in, having to do what's called a commerciality determination. So commerciality is a fun word to say. So the idea is you have to prove this is or isn't commercial, which what, what that translates to as a contracting officer is a good one more form. You know, that's, that's one of the things that takes longer. Okay, let's stop and come back to that commerciality determination in a minute because that is – Jumping ahead. That is where it gets fun, not fun. That's where contracting officers get to use that judgment thing. Oh, come on. This is fun. First, 12102. Sorry. We just talked about policy. Now we're talking about applicability, right? So it says, FAR says, this part shall be used, FAR Part 12 shall be used for the acquisition of supplies or services that meet the definition of commercial items at 2101. And that's why you're saying somebody has to make a determination that, yes, this stuff actually applies. And next, it says, CO shall use the policies in FAR Part 12 in conjunction with the pre- and post-award rules in FAR Part 13 for simplified acquisition procedures, Part 14 for sealed bids, or Part 15, contracting by negotiation, which is the big, complicated source selection stuff, right? So you use FAR Part 12 to create the RFP and the contract, but the, the way you go about a source selection, you use the other parts. And you have to use the other parts of the FAR in conjunction. What that means is that you're not using just FAR Part 12, but the next paragraph, this is, it is, you know, this is interesting, says, however, if there's conflict, FAR Part 12 has dibs. What it actually says is, shall take precedence for the acquisition of commercial items, which basically what they're saying, this is that whole thing of when you can buy something commercially, the commercial rules override what's in FAR Part 15. So for example, FAR Part 15 has section L and M. When you're using when you're using commercial acquisition under FAR Part 12, you don't use Section L and M. You use FAR 52, what is it, 212-1 and 2. And there's a whole another topic we'll talk about. But that's what I mean. That's what it looks like, is that there are, there are little conflicts, but those conflicts are overridden by FAR Part 12. And that's why, you know, we've, you've bought jets, I've bought equipment, I've bought services, I've bought vehicles with commercial procedures because they're commercial items. And so, yeah, understand that you're overlapping. It's kind of like the square and the rectangle exercise. You know, like a, a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not a square. Same idea here. 
There are things that you can't buy using FAR Part 12. FAR Part 12 shall not apply to the acquisition of commercial items at or below the micro-purchase threshold. And think about that. The micro-purchase threshold is $3,500. What that means is these are things you can buy with a government credit card. Well, if you're buying, if you're walking out to Staples or, 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 or I don't know, buying them online with a government credit card, they're already commercial. <laughs> things you're buying on, on Amazon, <laughs> are, they're commercial, right? So that's the whole point here is that if it's below the, the micro-purchase threshold, it's already meeting the commercial standard. So don't have to apply all this extra stuff to it. Don't do a source selection for things below micro-purchase threshold. Or even if it's over the micro-purchase threshold, if you can use the credit card to buy it, FAR Part 12 doesn't apply. And I'm I'm not talking about doing a source selection and then using the the government purchase card as how you pass the money back and forth. I'm talking about going and slapping the card down on the counter or online. I actually used a federal government credit card for a over a million dollar purchase one time for a commercial item imagine that that's pretty cool there's a that's a whole other podcast we gotta, we gotta save that one for we, later we, we had to get my purchase limit upped a little for that one <laughs> yeah think you know, it's a black card is that like a it was like a, <laughs> amex <laughs> black that's right that's funny Okay, I want to go back to that commercial item determination you were talking about, this, this one more thing that a contracting officer has to do, but one more thing that they have to do to not have to do a lot of other things in the future, right? So to determine that an item is commercial, it has to meet the definition in 2101 that we talked about a little bit ago. But like we said, minor modifications to commercial items isn't specifically defined has been offered for sale, lease, or license to the general public, is that's an interesting way to say it. So obviously, if a commercial item, if something has been sold, leased, or licensed to, to general public, to the world, it's commercial. But if all you have to do is offer it, does that mean you just print up a, a catalog that says, yes, this is commercial? No, no, and it's funny, I've, I've actually had that argument with people they say, well, they just put it on their website. They don't actually sell it to anybody else. And so look, let me give you a random example, like sniper rifle. It's not really – well, let's hope it's not a commercial item. You can't just buy that on Amazon. But by that definition, they can put it on their website and say, hey, you can buy this you know, on eBay. If it's legal to sell it and it's offered for sale, according to this definition, a contracting officer could say it's commercial. And the debate rolls on. See, this, yeah, this is, this is why uh, this, this discussion is, is, is very much – a heated debate between different agencies and different contracting officers and different users, you know, like, yes, this is commercial uh, or no, it's not. And so that's, that's why, that's why I, I honestly, I think people just give up on this fight. And that's why I think this, this part of the FAR isn't used as much because it's easier to say, oh, okay, it's not commercial move out as opposed to really having this conversation and doing your market research. So let's roll back to the early days of FAR part 12 when people like you and I were testing the boundaries. When I came in as an intern, my second job, third job, early in my career, I was on the program to acquire a replacement for, well, we called it Air Force Two, but these are the aircraft that they use to fly around the vice president and congressman and the secretary of state and that kind of thing. And the plan was we're going to use this new FAR Part 12 to buy commercial aircraft because that's what we're doing. It's not a military aircraft that flies these around. In the end, we ended up buying 757s, from Boeing and Gulfstream 5s from Gulfstream that are available on the commercial market. They had major modifications 
to their communication systems. I would think that's a major modification. But in the grand scheme of thing, it's still a plane that's designed to transfer people and, you know, at least small amounts of gear from place to place, just like aircraft are in the commercial market. And many aircraft in the commercial market that are customized for hauling certain types of things, like you buy an airplane with a custom cargo bay, we decided that, yes, they're absolutely commercial, even though we're modifying them quite a bit. But you still didn't turn it. You still didn't turn them into all of a sudden they can float, or, or, or suddenly they're a seaplane. Right. <laughs> you know, it, it didn't really make anything. Right. It's still, it's, still it's, a seven fifty seven, customized yeah. interiors, customized comm suite, all that kind of stuff. But still a seven fifty seven. Anybody, and, and, any company, if they wanted to buy a seven fifty seven as a business jet and do all this fancy stuff to it, they could do that as well. And, and as taxpayers, you'll know that like the interior of those jets were all kind of you know typical. It looked like a government cubicle. It was all gray carpet. You know, it wasn't as nearly as fancy as the ones that Gulfstream and and uh, Boeing usually sell. So just just wanted to put it out there. Yes, it's a customized jet, but it, it wasn't like it was blinged out. It still looked like a government jet. Yeah, inside. we actually in doing the interiors, we actually had to say, "Do you have anything that doesn't look like gold plated? That doesn't look so fancy?" Because <laughs> yes, I know that the some Sultan who bought the last one actually had gold faucets in there, but it's not going to look good for us. That's why the GA, the GAO is going to jump all over that. So I want to contrast that where it's clearly commercial with the next thing I did <laughs> with FAR Part 12, which is buy C-130Js. So C-130, military aircraft designed in 1958, and they've been selling them for years. Now it's the late 90s, and... The government needs to buy new aircraft, and we called it commercial. And the reason that we called it commercial is Lockheed had actually sold those aircraft to other countries. Now, eh, other countries, governments and militaries, yeah. <laughs> they did that with the blessing of the U.S. government. There were versions of the aircraft that were used for non-governmental missions. But most importantly, Lockheed put money into upgrading the avionics suite. So it wasn't the old gauges and dials that were used before. This was the new modern glass cockpits. Lockheed invested in that. We're also upgraded the props and and just lots of other stuff. But we were able, using discretion as a contracting officer, to write a commercial (laughs) item determination that, yes, got approved way, way, way up the chain, many levels above me. They they called this commercial. And I bought a couple billion dollars... Sign a contract worth a couple billion dollars to buy C-130Js out, out in the future. Has that ever been done again? I don't think so. I, I, don't, <laughs> no. I don't think it worked out quite as well as we expected to because it turns out that when you are delivering a commercial item for a government purpose like a C-130J, there's lots of things that the government's used to getting and being able to do and ask for in their aircraft that become more complicated when you have the restrictions that Farport 12 puts in place, that you know, trying to sell commercial things. So I think we may have scared a few other major systems off from trying to, trying to call themselves commercial, but it was fun. <laughs> and, you know, and, and it's a, nothing teaches like experience. And that, that's funny. I think that that's almost become like an infamous story versus a famous story because it, it had kind of, Wicked consequences in some area. Wicked meaning, you know, frustrating. I guess is a stretch to call it wicked, but it, it didn't work out exactly as planned. 
And so because of that, people are like, oh, we can't ever try it again. And that, that frustrates me. So that's the part that's like, it shouldn't be an infamous story. It should be a famous story because it's like, look, we tried something different. Here's the part that worked. Yeah, here's the part that didn't. Yeah, I think I might have been gotten the uh, Civilian of the Quarter Award or something like that for the base <laughs> for signing that. And then like five years later, they're like, man, we should have fired that guy instead of giving him an award. <laughs> oh, he's got a podcast. Look at that. Hey, I forgot to talk acquisition time zones earlier. We usually set this in. When when does this occur in the process? So it's it's easy to say because the FAR says you do your market research to find out if commercial items are available. So the market research zone, this definitely matters. It definitely impacts the RFP zone because how you go about acquiring it using not section L and M, but the FAR part 12 equivalents of those, it's a little bit different. And then in the execution time zones, you have issues with intellectual property, with how things can be modified. It's a commercial item. So you say, Hey, can you make it do this? Well, it'll actually make it do that in the commercial market. So now we're now we're you know, it's no longer an off the shelf solution. Now we have to tweak it. Which then the government's like, well, wait a minute, I thought it was great. See, right. So that's no. the performance zone in in the execution right. time zone language. And then the recompete zone is a big deal because, like with the C one thirty J, the recompete zone is you look back and go, okay, we did it as commercial. Did it work as planned? Yes. Okay. Then we'll do a commercial again. Or mm, no, not so much. let's do <laughs> no, something else. else. So yeah, I'll, go I'll, back to the I'll, old way. A, that's right. Let's we tried it. Didn't work. I, I think it worked just fine. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Why is it so important to talk about FAR Part 12? Why reinvent the wheel? Somehow, without acquisition regulations, the commercial market has been buying and selling stuff since the beginning of time. right? So why not try to make the way the government buys things closer to the way the rest of the world buys and sells? And it's often – well, actually, I will say almost always faster. Every every time I used FAR Part 12, it was faster. I would say it's a little bit easier, and oftentimes it's probably cheaper too because if it's commercial – think about it. You buy something that's available commercial, commercially. There's issues with scale. Uh, the, the, the provider – there are more providers – you don't have as many uh, quality control issues because it's already been proven out. It's Hopefully different. there's more customers buying it. So the yeah. company's making a lot more of them and you get the economies of scale. It, it's one of the reasons that a fighter jet is so expensive for the government to acquire is because they're the only one buying them, right? That's why as, a, as the technology matures, we do all these foreign military sales and sell them out there to try to lower the cost for everybody because if you're only buying 200 of something – it can be pretty expensive, especially if you have to build giant factories to build it. Is it makes a big difference when it's a commercial item because that that distribution of cost, the government oftentimes doesn't get the advantage of that, and that's why you know, when you, the eight hundred dollar hammer is <laughs> because they get some special hammer the only we buy. So. Right. So, like you said, it should be easier for the government. Should be, and your experience says it was a little easier, faster. Yes. It should be easier. For industry. Now, it may not be easier for industry if you're Lockheed Martin and you've sold C 130s via, you know, FAR Part 15 procedures for the last 40 years. And now you have to figure out how to sell them differently. I, I think it was probably harder for them than it was for the government in that case. But in most cases, it should cut out a little bit of what makes some companies not want to deal with the government. And, and more importantly to me, from, from a Big picture perspective is if you sell things only commercially, this is a really great entry point into the government market. If this is if, if you're selling commercial items now, like you've never sold to the government, and you the whole idea of, of selling a government specific item, it doesn't make sense to you. 
you should be looking for far part 12 acquisitions or for that matter, you should be talking to, to your target market agencies and saying, Hey, can you do these under far part 12? Cause it would make things easier for us. Right. That's, that's a perfect segue into why industry should care so much about this. If your items are commercial, you should target far part 12 acquisition. You don't have to go through all the cost and pricing data stuff. You don't have to worry about intellectual property. It's yours. you already own it. And you only have to deal with firm fixed price contracts. You don't have to go through all of the pain and agony that's involved in, in cost type contracts with the government. It's as close as you're going to get on the industry side to selling to commercial customers. But don't get too excited. There's, the 80-20 rule still applies. Right. <laughs> there's still it's process. Still it's still the block. government. Yeah, it's still there, far, far part 15 and all the steps and the, the all the things we talk about, the source selection evaluation board, protests, all that stuff still applies. Let's not get too nuts here. Uh, but yes, it, it's much, it's easier. If you're on the government side, this, this should be a, a bit liberating. It was for me. It's, yeah, it's, it's different. You may, and hopefully, will get companies bidding that wouldn't bid if it was a far part 15 regular government acquisition you get people that they maybe they can live with the far part 12 rules but just aren't willing to deal with everything that comes with far part 15 or, or to be fair they're intimidated by it when you say they're not willing to deal with it it's because they don't know it right yeah. they're not podcast listeners for example i mean it's they think about that it's when you look at some of those clauses you're like well, what I, if you're if you're even a even a large business, you look at all those clauses and go, I, I don't I don't I don't know what's in there. It creates risk for me. I'm selling this commercially. It's not worth my time. As harsh as that sounds, but I mean, it's a decision that they make. So part of it is that, is that they don't want to deal with it. The other part of it is that you know it's it creates drag on their on the sales process for them, and then they're just they're not willing to take that risk. And if you're on the government side, you, you avoid all this extra work. You you want that too, right? Firm fixed price only. You don't have to worry about all the financial reporting. You don't have to worry about earned value management. You don't have to worry about <laughs> closeout of a cost type contract eight years down the road or whatever. This is this can be a very good thing. And it and I, I like to say that it exploits two layers of competition. And what I mean by that is that when I bought um, safety equipment, they were dry suits um, for for military, and so it's commercial item. And so what? I, how does this work out? Well, you think about it. When I put out the RFP. And, or you know, doing the market research, I see it's a commercial item, and I'm talking to the companies that make these, and I see there are probably, I don't know, 10 companies that, that do a really good job of making these, and they're selling them to people, like you and me, like you know, hardcore fishermen and people who, they, they just, you know, scuba divers, and they make this stuff, right? So the quality control, it's already in place. Their ability to deliver for their customers has already been competed. Their ability to charge a price that the market will bear has already played out. So there's a layer of competition that's already happened before I put out my RFP. My RFP is going to be a second layer of competition because there's still going to be competition, right? But I mean, think about that. That is a that is a great way to take advantage of the economy that we already have. As long as you don't require those minor modifications <laughs> and then you lose everything that you just said that's good about it, right? Yeah, then they have to yeah. change it. This is art and science after all. Yeah. The downside is if you are the government and buying commercial – you may not get that special treatment, like I'm saying. If you need it to be just a little bit different, part of the market may say, nah, we don't want to change anything. We already sell them just like this. We got our processes tweaked. We got our production line. We're not, we're not changing anything. Good luck. Go buy it from somebody who will. So the government's used to that special treatment of getting everything customized to their needs. You may have to settle for something that is 
that meets all your requirements but isn't exactly what you would do if you were designing it yourself. But I think it's probably worth it in most cases to get the benefits you were just talking about. Yeah, and, and market research will, will uh, tell you which way to go with that. So let's wrap this up before we get any deeper into FAR Part 12 and commercial item acquisition for the government. FAR Part 12 was brand new back when you and I came on in the mid to late 90s when we were cutting our teeth with the Federal Acquisition Reform Act and the Federal Acquisition Streamlining Act and, yay, acquisition reform, lightning bolts in the Air Force. It was a great time, right? <laughs> forgot about the lightning bolts. <laughs> and, yeah, these, these save time for both sides. I mean, I honestly believe more stuff should be awarded using FAR Part 12, just like we talked about the simplified acquisition procedures. If you don't know about those and you're not using them, there's a cast for that. It's a great way to get things done more quickly. It's helping government contracting, making government contracting better one contract at a time, which is our whole mission, right? I think the pendulum may have swung a little bit too far in the 90s or the, how about this, the perception, because it was kind of the new toy. Right, we were and, trying to use it for whatever we could. Military right. aircraft, yeah, commercial, we'll take it. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes <laughs> it gets a little out of control. But I mean, that was 20 years ago. You know, let's, let's find a way to use it more now in, 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 in ways that make a lot of sense, because there's a lot of stuff that's commercial that, that comes out in RFPs that, the RFPs aren't commercial. Yeah, I don't know. Is is it used more now? It's it's not bright, shiny, and new, so there's not a lot of focus on it. Like we we were encouraged to use it when we came on, right? Because it was new and it was new way to do things faster, better, and cheaper. But that was 20 years ago. Is it is it really used more? That's a good question. I, I, yeah, I think that's a let's let's see if we can get some feedback from from our from those of you who who hear this if regardless of what side you're on um answer that question of you know do you see more or or more or fewer of uh, far part 12 acquisitions or for that matter if you see it based on what you've just learned if you see it being applied less than it should that's what i saw is i saw it applies a lot more things than uh than yeah. people you may not have the context for is it used more or less if you've been in the business for 5 years but is far part 12 use yeah, there's how about that? Yeah, so <laughs> send me a note at Paul and Contracting Officer Podcast.com and give me some examples of when FAR Part 12 has been used or should have been used in retrospect. Yes, and, and, there, and there are lots of areas where the, the rules of FAR Part 12 they do apply to the whole source selection process, which, by the way, I just did a webinar about. That's why this is hot in my head. The skywaywebinar.com, you can sign up for our free webinars. I just did a free webinar about the whole source selection process. And that process still applies to FAR Part 12. Yeah. And that's why I mean that this, this is, it's not like we're totally reinventing the wheel. We're just kind of shaving off the, the, the corners on the wheel. <laughs> so that it rolls shaving fat. off the corners. That's a you like that? tortured analogy. No, I don't like that it at is. all. All right, let's stop before this it. gets worse. <laughs> Talk to you later. All right, see you. Thanks for joining us, and please take our survey. Go to contractingofficerpodcast.com and hit the big red begin survey button. Why take the survey? To help us learn. Teach us what you want to hear about. We want to do a better job providing information that matters to you. Please take a minute, go to contractingofficerpodcast.com and let us know what you think. And once again, thank you for listening. Number two is irrelevant. It unless we explain what SF44 is, that doesn't mean anything to anybody. Um, Why is it one, on there? Because I, <laughs> because I didn't delete everything. No, I totally but number, agree.
the number this this is where like I want to I need you to stop and take pauses and take a breath now and then because I want to jump in right at the end of you know at or below the micro purchase threshold 